0: Why don't you pray with me while you're standing? Come on, let's pray together. Father, we worship you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. But you're pouring out your presence, Lord. You're pouring out your spirit here this morning. Lord, we open up our hearts. We open up our hearts, Lord, and say, fill us, fill our lives, Lord. We open up our mouths and worship. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness, your abundance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated this morning if you can. How many of you brought your Bibles this morning? I'm ringing a little bit, Joe. Sorry, I was I had my back turned. How many of you brought your Bibles this morning, your device, your iPad? Good, good. Awesome. Get ready to take notes, underline in your Bible all that good stuff? We're going to go to Romans chapter 4. This week, you know, Heather was talking about how kids teach us things. And uh, this, I think it was yesterday, some point this week, Jonathan was getting ready in the morning and he's, you know, jumping on our bed and he's all excited. And he looks at me and it was, it was interesting, the word that he chose to use because of what we've been studying and what we've been teaching and preaching. And he, he says, Daddy, I believe in you. And of course, it just melted my heart in the moment, but, uh, but then I had to pause in the moment, and I, I stepped away from that and said, now Jesus, you're really funny, because we've been talking about believing in you and walking a life of faith. And I've spent the past three weeks, three services, whatever you know, Wednesday, Sunday, talking about putting our belief in God. And here you have the mouth of my four-year-old repeating back to me, who's I don't even know if he even knows what we've been talking about because he's in kids' men. I don't know, but anyway. Uh, so it just and so I paused. I had to step back for a moment and say, God, you know that's that's really funny. And and he and, and God said to me, He said to me, He's like, you know. You know, what did you hear when your son, when, when Jonathan said that, what did you hear? I said, well, it melted my heart. You know, he's, he's talking to Daddy. And I, I said, I was ready. I wanted to do anything for him. Like, he could have asked me for a new car, and I would have just, right there, you're four years old, son. We're going to go get you a new car, whatever you want. You just tell me. We'll, we'll get it. And uh, and I felt, it was like Jesus just smiling at me, and he said, yeah, I know I know the feeling. And you know, it's the same thing. When we step back and we just say, "When Jesus, I trust you. I believe in you. It's not, it's not just words we say, but remember, it's, it's putting, it's trusting our lives with everything that he's given. We just trust it back to him and say, Lord, you've blessed me. You've poured out your abundance on my life. You've given me salvation, every spiritual blessing. And so, Lord, I just, I just want to say, I believe in you, not... Not just not just words, but but with action, you know, faith, faith illuminates the spiritual world to us. Faith is it's the tangible, it's the unseen. It's being able to see tangibly the unseen. That's what faith is. We can't we can't see spiritual realities with our natural eyes, but through the eyes of faith. We see unseen realities. Through the eyes of faith, we taste of unseen goodness. Through the, through the eyes of faith, we see the spiritual realm. Through the ears of faith, we hear his voice. We hear what he's speaking. We hear what he's saying. It's the same thing. You know, you have John on the Isle of Patmos. And it starts off just, you know, very much just a word from the Lord. And, of course, it, it goes much further than that. What started off is just a step of faith. He was in the spirit on the Lord's Day. And what happened? He heard a voice and he turned. What does the Bible say in, in Revelation chapter 1? It says that he turned to see the voice that was speaking to him. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but but I don't turn to, hear, to see sound. Did you hear what I was saying? I don't turn around when someone's talking to me or says my name. I don't turn around to see sound. I turn around to hear sound. But John was in a place of faith where he turned... He knew that even though what he, was, what he was hearing was spiritual through the eyes of faith, he knew he was going to turn and see something. It wasn't, just, it wasn't just a voice inside of his head. It wasn't just the spirit voice of God on his head. He turned to see. Of course, it transpired and went much further than just, just what he started off as. But that's the eyes of faith that we, we know there's such an assurance in our heart that when God says we know we can turn and see it, With our eyes. We're gonna continue this morning with our series on kingdom living. We're gonna pick up in Romans chapter 4. Write this down. Living a kingdom life is a life of faith where God makes something out of nothing. I want you to think about what your nothingness is this morning, that you're bringing. This morning, maybe you feel insignificant. Maybe you feel insecure. Maybe, maybe God's calling you out to do something that you're like, I don't have the ability. I don't have the skill. I don't have the money. I don't have the resources. Uh, let me give you an example of this. You know, we're believing God for this box truck, and we said last week we want to pay that thing debt free so that we can do the groceries. And we said last week we're believing it's going to be paid off. We're we're gonna. We're not going to move on this. We're going to believe that God's going to lower the price. Whatever needs to happen, happen. God's in it. Can I tell you, they, they uh, are working with us on this deal. It's so awesome. Not only, not only are they uh, is this possible, but they said, we believe in so much of what you're doing. We're not going to sell the truck. If you want it, it's yours. We'll put it in storage until you can come up with the money. It's yours. Now that's not an excuse to not give. We need you to give so we can buy the truck and get it out of the get it out of the garage. We need to use it. So anyway, it's waiting on us. Um, And I think the last number, what was it, eight thousand? We still need. So we're eighty-five. So we were at fifty-something. We're at fifty-something this week. So it's awesome. Uh, You know. So just little steps of faith. So that means in one week we had five thousand something dollars come in for it. Um, and that's above and beyond the tithe and the offering. So we're just believing that God's going to pay that off. We're just taking a step of belief. We heard the Lord. We've stepped out. We've entrusted him, God. And not only have we trusted him with that box truck, he's already spoken to the person who owns it. And so it's sitting in a garage waiting for us to buy it. So um, just great things. We're, we're, it's, it's awesome. Living a life of faith. God will make something out of your nothing. We. We had nothing, we had zero dollars for a box truck, but, but God, when he speaks, he releases the provision needed for that, and we're going to talk about that today, but I, I want you to think, you know, the, the little, I talk about this, this little boy with the fish and the loaves all the time, but, but here's, this, here's this little boy who's got five loaves and, or, and two fish, and what is, how is that compared to 5,000 people? Look what God did. You know, I, th- I think back, you know, I said it last week when we started the grocery distribution. How on earth can we meet the needs of our community with, with just the little that we have? And every week, you know, one of, the, one of our biggest concerns was not necessarily getting the groceries. One of our biggest concerns was getting the volunteers because it's a lot of manpower to pack bags, it's a lot of manpower to load cars, it's a lot of manpower to park cars. But every week, the volunteers and it was different faces every week some of the same, but a lot of different. And God supplied every week. So, what is He challenging you? What is He speaking to you to step out and believe Him for this year? In Romans chapter 4 and verse 16, it says, and By the way, let me say this before I read this there is a lot. This is one of those juicy passages of Scripture. There's a lot here, and and I don't have the time to really dissect everything. So just go home, read it, study it on your own. But I'm going to pull out a a few things here this morning. In Romans chapter 4, starting in verse 16, it says, Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law but also to those who are of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope and hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, dead since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. And therefore, it was counted to him for righteousness. That is not written for his sake alone, that it was imputed to him, but Also for all of us, it shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. One of the first things that we see here in this passage of scripture is it's talking about the life of Abraham. If you go back to Genesis 17, you'll find... All the way back in Genesis, the promise that God made Abraham. I'm not going to go back and take the time to read it. Of course, if you want to on your own, you can. But God shows up and he speaks to Abraham in Genesis 17... And by the way, Abraham calls it the El Shaddai. He calls him the Lord Almighty. The El Shaddai shows up and speaks to him and tells him, I will what? Make you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. Kings will come from you. Nations will come from you. I will establish an everlasting covenant with you. And so here we start off recognizing this promise that God has made to Abraham. Remember Psalms 89, 34, my covenant, I will not break or alter the word that has gone out of my mouth. So when we're talking about God creating something out of our nothing, consider Abraham. Here is a man, 99 years old, and his wife, they were unable to have babies, Can you imagine when when the promise of God showed up for him and and the angel of the Lord said to him, the Lord said to him, hey, Abraham, now's the time. We know that Sarah laughed, but uh, but anyway. We've tried that for 60, 50, 60 years, and it hasn't worked We've tried to have kids. We've tried to go down this path. Have you ever been there where you said, where God spoke to you in your nothingness? And you've said, but God, I've tried this. I've done this. I tried it before. It reminds me of the disciples out on the sea. And they'd been fishing all night long. And Jesus comes to them and says, hey, cast your net on the other side of the boat. But Jesus, we're fishermen. Like We've been at this all night. We know there are no fish in this water. But at your word, and they cast their net. But that's such a that's a power. Let me pause there. That is so such a powerful statement. But at your word, I would imagine there was probably absolutely no fish where they were fishing. You know, they'd been at it all night. If there had been fish in that water, they would have caught something. These were professionals, and they got nothing. All night long, but when Jesus spoke, yeah. cast your net. He didn't even He didn't even walk up to the water and say, "Come here, little fishy, 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 fishy." He didn't throw <laughs> bread in the water and worms or anything like that. He just spoke, and the word, yeah. the creative power of His word, and so they cast out their net on His word. God spoke to Abraham and said, "I will make you a father." of many nations. I have made you a father of many nations. Verse 17 in Romans 4 says this. Uh, If you go there, it says, I have made you a father of many nations. And, And fast forward, it says, God, he believed God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Abraham was incapable of having children, but God spoke to him he said, I have made you a father of many nations. He didn't say, I will make you. He said, I have made. In other words, it's already done. The promise that I have established with you, the covenant that I've already made with you, it's said, done, signed, sealed, delivered. I have made this to happen. It may not yet be manifest, but I am speaking to you. And what did Abraham do? On the word of the Lord, on, on the promise of God, the Bible says that he went in, he knew his wife, they conceived and had a baby. So what is it that God is speaking to you over your life? What is the something out of your nothing that God's making? In Isaiah 46, it says he declares the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all of my pleasure. So when God says, I'm going to fulfill this particular promise in your life, when he's made a covenant with you, look this way, when he's made a covenant with you, He will not break it. And he knows the beginning from the end. He knows the start of your life. What does the Bible in Hebrew say? That he is the author and the finisher of our faith. So he who has begun this good work will complete the good work in your life. He is the author. He's writing. We sang it earlier. The story. He's writing the story of your life. He's made a promise to you. He's making something out of your nothing. Abraham had nothing to offer, but God's power and his word at work in Abraham's life in that moment brought forth seed. Our inability is God's opportunity for his ability. When we don't have when we don't have the resources or the time or the whatever it is that we would say, God, if this is going to happen, I don't have. God says that's an opportunity for my ability. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it tells us that my grace is sufficient for you. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. His favor and his strength is perfect for you. No matter what it is that you're lacking, his grace is perfected. His grace is sufficient. It's enough for you. His grace is enough for you. When you're lacking in any area of your life, Put your trust in His grace and the strength that He's working in your life. His power is perfect for you. In whatever season you're finding yourself in, His power is perfect. It's exactly what you need. And God speaks to the very area of our life that lacks, it's the very area we don't want Him to touch. The area that we lack in, the area that's uncomfortable, our insecurity, often are those areas where we don't want God to go. And it's the very area that God speaks to. I'm sure it was a little uncomfortable for Abraham to talk about his male problems and a little bit uncomfortable for him to talk about his wife's issues. But it was there that God said, I'm going to sp- it's the very thing where you lack that I'm going to speak life to. The area where you have not produced fruit. where Maybe maybe death has existed in your life. Maybe there's addictions and hang-ups and hurts in your life. And those are the very areas where God comes and he says, I'm going to speak life into those areas. The very things in your life where you feel like you've been unfruitful. The very things in your life that you feel like have brought shame. The very things in your life that you feel like have brought condemnation. Those are the things God says, I'm going to speak life over those, and they're gonna produce fruit. They're gonna produce a harvest in your life. In Hebrews 1, I love this verse. I quote it often that he's upholding all things. Say all things. All things. Some of you didn't say it. Let's try it one more time. All things. all things. He's upholding all things by the what? The word of his power. The word of his power. He's speaking. Things that do not exist, he's calling them into existence. He's bringing forth, making them manifest. Why? By the power of his word. That word, he's upholding all things by the word, the rhema word of his power. The right now word, the right now spoken word of his power. Now, I want you to think about this. The same word that God spoke in Genesis 1 is still in existence today. When he said, let there be light let there be light, still has a life cycle. It's still happening. Heaven and earth, the Bible tells us, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. The very things that God has spoken, he's upholding the universe, all things right now, by the word, what he spoke about his power, create, and it happened. So why are we worried when God speaks to us Through through the eyes and ears, the senses of our faith, when he reveals to us his plan and purposes for our lives, he changes our identity, gives us his purpose, calls us, why are we worried? The same God that created and formed the worlds, when he spoke that word, it's upholding. Right now, all things are upheld by his word word. He's speaking over your life and the things that he is saying, your life, the government of your life is on his shoulders. Did you hear me? The government of your life, the order, the steps, the Bible says that the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. So every step, every place that you put your foot, every dream, every vision, every direction are ordered. God's ordering and orchestrating, governing the details of your life. You see what I'm saying? See how powerful this is? That you don't have to to go on living under the bondage of your slavery. You can live a kingdom life, a God life, where God's producing something out of nothing in your life. You were created. I said it. A couple of weeks ago, you were created to be someone else's miracle. God's producing miracles in your life, not for the sake. I mean, you get the blessing, right? It's nice. I love seeing miracles. I love seeing God move. I, I like being blessed. <laughs> don't lie and tell me you don't like being blessed. I like being blessed. I like the blessing of the Lord. I like seeing miracles in my life. I'll receive. I'll take whatever he wants to give me. But I think the greatest joy, and the Bible says this, it's more blessed to what? Give. So to see, yeah, it's a blessing to receive those things. But I'm looking for opportunities to give those things away, to to be a blessing. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor. It's not, you know, God's not working miracles, not producing something out of nothing in your life for you to be stingy with it. That's when, the, that's when miracles stop. That's when, the, that's when the something out of nothing stops. That's, that's not the life cycle of God's word. The life cycle is that it continues. It's being sown. The word of God, the Bible is this, says it's the seed. It's like a seed. It's constantly being sown and producing fruit. And so if you want the seed to increase, the fruit or the harvest to increase, you have to sow what? More seed. That's why the Bible tells us that he gives food for or Bread for eating, food for eating, and seed for sowing. He gives us both. Yeah. That same word, by the way, if you, this is really, I think it's cool. But one of, this word rhema, the right now he's upholding all things by the word of, the pow, of his power. You see the word Rama, the Rama word of God throughout scripture. But you also find it in Luke chapter 1. Verse 37, when it says, For nothing is impossible for God. Right. Nothing is impossible. You say, Well, where is it? I don't see the word word in there. Where? Nothing is impossible with God. So the word nothing, when it was translated into English for nothing, when it was translated, actually is three different Greek words. Not one thing, basically, or there's not anything or word impossible. Now, I want you to think about that. What did, what did God come and say? What did he speak over Mary? What was his promise? That you'll, you'll conceive, you'll have a child. Baby Jesus, right? And what does what she say? Let it be unto me. I don't know what this is. I don't know how this is going to work, but whatever, at your word, let it be unto me. He spoke a word that planted a seed, a supernatural seed, in her life, and she gave forth to a baby. Not one word is impossible with God. Whatever he's spoken over your life, he'll fulfill it. The other thing I would say about this is that we have to speak what God's speaking. If if he's speaking over our life, in verse 17, he's calling those things that are not as though they were. We need to start saying what God's saying. If God's speaking over your life and he's calling life out of death, fruitfulness out of barrenness, then we need to stop continuing on and perpetuating our own lack. If God has spoken his blessing over your life. Then stop perpetuating your own poverty by speaking death and discouragement and hopelessness and fear. Notice the Israelites, when they crossed out of Egypt, they came to the Red Sea and God delivered them. They could have been in the promised land. This was a promise. The promised land was a promise that God had, it was an eternal purpose. It was, uh, you know, Abraham, we know that God made a covenant with Abraham. Abraham goes, he leaves his family, he leaves his father's house, he goes out and goes into the land of Canaan. We know the story this was a promise to the Israelites for the ages. God wanted them to have the blessing. Yeah. Did you hear me? God wanted them to have the blessing. He didn't dangle it out in front of them like the and say, oh, here's, here's a blessing and then take it away. Sorry. He wanted them to walk in the prosperity he had promised them. Yeah. But what happened? They grumbled and they complained. God gave the Israelites a promise for an everlasting inheritance. And they could have been there in days. But their narrative was one of hopelessness and defeat. And a whole generation was lost. We're in a strategic time. I, I believe as Christians this applies every day of our life. I believe every day as, as believers, this speaking, what God says over our lives is so important every day. But, but we are echoing of the whatever the, the echo chamber that's out there. We just it's just repeat. And believers should not be on repeat. Don't keep perpetuating the same message that you keep hearing in the world the bible tells us that the power of what life and death is in your tongue there's a there's a saying um, there's a saying uh, I, I call it like it is all right i say it like it is anybody ever said that or know what i'm talking about i say it like it is uh, I'm going to twist that saying just a little bit. You need to say it like it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth this morning. You, you need to tell it like it should be. Not, not like it is. Just don't keep echoing. You need to speak the word of God. What's God saying over this? And I'll, I'll, I'll go even further. Politics, the current climate of our society, not just in America, but around the world. The last thing we need is, a, is the church perpetuating the garbage of the world. We need life. (laughs) We need life. Does everybody hear me this morning? (laughs) Romans 10 tells us, and I'll just keep on that for a moment, Romans 10 tells us that faith comes by hearing, and hearing what? The so if you keep on in the echo chamber, not only are you hearing faith, but nobody else is either. It, you know, if you'll take a look at 2020, Heather said it earlier, if you'll take a look at 2020, COVID, all that's happening, God is up to something. Yes. Right. You cannot look at what's happening in our nation, in the world, and, and, and I mean, I guess you can, but you're, you'd have to be absolutely blind to see that, that God is not up to something. You'd, I mean, you, your nose, you just have to be missing your nose. You know, it's like trying to smell and breathe in oxygen and not have a nose. It's you, It's impossible. God is at work and he's doing a super... We, Heather said it, we ministered to more people in 2020, did more in 2020 than we've ever done. And that's not just our church. I've heard that from, from many, many churches, that those that are engaged, those that have stepped in to and embrace the season, and said, this is what God's going to do, regardless of what's happening in society, regardless of what's going on around us, we're going to embrace the season. God has done supernaturally, above and beyond, anything we could ask, think, or imagine. In a season where everybody is scattered with fear and hopelessness, the church Ought to be the last place where fear and hopelessness abounds. We ought to be speaking words of faith. There ought to be abundance. There ought to be provision. There ought to be supply. There ought to be. Come on, somebody. And then it says, if you go on in Romans chapter 4 and verse 18, it says, Who contrary to hope and hope believed. Number two, you have to believe against the odds. Yes. In other words, what it's saying here, contrary to hope and hope belief, the odds were against him. The odds were against Abraham. The the odds that he would have, the odds of what? The odds that he would have a baby was against him. The odds that this was even going to happen was against him. But he had to believe against the odds. Faith will show you things that in the natural are impossible. Belief says, God, I know that you've spoken. This is what you've said, and I'm entrusting you with this. Faith will bring you to walk where you've never been and to step out on things you cannot see. Faith will bring you to a place you've never been and cause you to step out on things you can't see. I think about Peter, who's getting out of the boat, walking on the water. He was in a place he had never been and walking on something he couldn't see. I think about Noah who built the ark. He was in a place he had never been and was certainly walking on something he couldn't see. Jairus lost his only daughter. Place he had never been. Stepping out on something he couldn't see. This, This man, Jesus... Is he, is he really who he says he is? Can he raise up my daughter from the dead? And he steps out in faith. Can you imagine as a as a parent having you thought you had the solution. It was in your grasp. You had the answer. And somebody walks up to you and says, "I'm sorry, don't trouble him any longer. Your daughter's dead." Can you imagine the doubt that comes in in that moment? And all of the feelings, I can't, I, I was almost there. We were almost there. And if it wasn't for that woman with the issue of blood, we would have already been there. And Jesus looked at him and said, don't fear. Only believe. Don't fear, only believe. The same thing that brought you to me today, just let it Continue. The very thing that brought you to to seek me out today, let it continue. So when you see life circumstances and the storms blowing and the reports of people around you, don't trouble the master any longer. Keep believing. Keep believing. Believe against the odds. God's working on your behalf. Common sense will tell you to stay in the boat. Common sense will tell you to stay in the boat. But God's wisdom says miracles happen on the water. Common sense will will say, play it safe. Keep it safe. You don't want to look like a fool. You don't want to make a fool of yourself. I mean, what if it doesn't happen? So what? What if it doesn't? What if it doesn't? I think we're more worried about the what if it doesn't and the timetable that we want it to happen in if we would put as much energy devoted to believing as we do in the what-ifs. Yeah. Oh, come on now, don't shut me down. If we'd put as much energy in how do I believe, Lord, strengthen my belief, Lord, help my unbelief. If we would put more effort in there instead of, well, what about this or what about that? Yeah. Abraham, the Bible says here in Romans 4, did not consider his own body. And he didn't consider Sarah's womb. When God spoke, it settled it. When God said that's what's going to happen, that was the end of the story. When the Lord gave him a promise, okay, let's have a baby. That was the end of the story. God's got this. What did he consider? He didn't consider where he was lacking. I think we're oftentimes very aware of what we lack, but very little aware of God's provision, his power, and his grace. So in the moment, faith illuminates what God's saying, and then we choose to believe. We walk in that moment and put our trust in him. We release that word back to him. We sow that word, that promise back to him. Say, God, you said. The Bible says here that he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. His focus, we talked about this Wednesday night. The word waver is really powerful. We talked about it Wednesday, but James tells us that doubting is like being tossed in the waves. It's a man who's tossed on the waves. So this wavering is getting tied up in the waves of doubt. You get out and and if you're not careful, the waves will toss you into unbelief. So you want to get out of the sea of unbelief. You want to stop sinking in the waters of unbelief and walk on the water. The only way to do that, learn from Peter's lesson, you got to keep your eyes focused on Jesus. You have to, without wavering, keep your eyes set on Christ. What is his word? It does not mean that you deny reality. Abraham never denied reality. He acted by faith on what God said. He never said, well, my body's dead and that's over and, you know, so this isn't going to happen or just not realistic or, you know, whatever. What did God say? And that's what he spoke and that's what he acted on. I'm going to let that simmer for a moment. What did God speak over your life? And are you acting on that? What has God said over your life? What is the something out of nothing that he's promised? Are you considering that? Are you focused on that? It doesn't mean that the other doesn't exist. It just means that you choose to focus and speak and release what God said over what the world and the natural and the sinful environment around us says. The other thing it says here, number three, is that he was strengthened in in faith, not faith, (laughs) faith. Verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith. Verse 21, if you read on, I love this. It says, and being fully convinced that he was promised... What he had promised, he was also able to perform. So what God had promised him, he was fully persuaded, fully convinced that God was able to do what he said. He grew strong in faith. The translation there's in the NKJV is is a little off. The translation literally from the Greek means that he was strengthened as he gave glory to God. You and I become strengthened in our faith as we worship God. Thanksgiving turns our worries into worship. Your doubts, your fears, as you begin to think, God, I thank you that as for me and my house. When I'm worried about my kids, when I'm worried about my family, when I'm worried about finance, whatever it is, Lord, thank you that you've anointed me with the, the power to create wealth. Lord, I thank you that, that you, my storehouses, as Pastor Heather read this morning, I've given, and I trust you with my reason, my storehouses are full of abundance. Thank you, Lord, that you're providing. Do you hear me this morning? You just begin to thank him for what his promise is concerning your life. God, I thank you that my family is at peace. My home is a house of peace. If your family, if your home is in turmoil, you need to walk around your house and say, God, I thank you that this house Is a house of prayer. This house, not just the church house, my house is a house of prayer. This is a place of peace. The joy of the Lord abides here. You just begin to thank God and bless your home. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Stop pre preaching curses over this, 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 and that. Speak life. Thank you, Jesus. Turns those worries into worship. I've said it before, but what you worship is what you become. If you worship the problem. Guess what you become? What you worship is your king. What you worship is your king. You make Lord of your life, whatever you worship. If the problem or the provision, the problem or his presence, whatever you worship is your king. And whatever your king is determines what you release. If Christ is your king... That determines what you release out of your life and how you operate. If your problem is your king, it determines what you release out of your life and how you operate. If your environment around you is full of hopelessness, then something is out of order. If your world is full of despair, fear, and hopelessness, something's out of order. It's not God. What you worship is what you become, what you worship is your king. And whatever you serve is what you release. It's how you live. It's how you function. And so if hopelessness is what you're magnifying in your life, then hopelessness will be the environment that you create around you. It's a simple issue. It's called misdirected worship. Worshiping the thing, worshiping the idol, worshiping the whatever it is, it's an idol. It's something that you set above God instead of worshiping him. But when you shift and you begin to worship him, you see him as king and lord over all things. When you begin to worship him, it it changes. You shift out of living according to this world and the hopelessness of this world and the despair around you. You shift out of that, out of poverty, out of lack, out of being broke and disgusted, and you shift into a kingdom mindset where the king is ruling and reigning. If he's ruling and reigning, and you see the reality of who he is, that's what you begin to speak and release out of your life. It's not words of doubt or fear, unbelief. You're speaking, you're with me this morning. Yeah. Think about Mary and Luke. The Lord spoke over her life. Listens to what she said. We know it as the Magnificat, but... This is what she says, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant, for behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and his name is holy. She goes on, but that doesn't sound like someone who's worried about the fact that she's having a baby out of wedlock, it doesn't sound like she's worried about her husband divorcing her, leaving her, soon-to-be husband. Doesn't, doesn't it doesn't sound like she's worried about what other people and society and culture is going to say. No, why? Because she's seen the king. She sees the word that was spoken over her has become more real. And worship was what she released. Worship was what she released. And it affected the environment around her. She didn't they didn't go through nine months of hell. Oh my goodness. We don't see that. We don't see the that being portrayed in scripture about Jesus' birth. They weren't worried about the census or that. I mean, Joseph was so not worried, he didn't even prepare for the journey. <laughs> God's got it. We'll just get there. Is this helping you this morning? Yeah. God's making something out of your nothing. He's taken, he's taken the nothingness and he's producing fruit. He's making life. But you've got you to gotta start speaking what God's saying. He is, He's making. He's calling those things that are not as though they were in your life. You've got to believe against the odds. What other people will tell you, what society will tell you, But culture will tell you, you got to believe against and say, you know what? I'm hoping against hope. My hope is not in the things of this world. My hope is in in the anchor of my soul who who goes behind that veil. the, the, The way into his presence has come down. I am certain, I'm certain he's got this too. And then be strengthened in your faith. Be strengthened in your faith. Worship will strengthen your faith. You'll see Him as you worship Him. And this, you know, this is inner. Let me, let me go over to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Worship team, y'all come back. I'll just keep going. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And verse 13. It says, and since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I have believed, and therefore I, what's it say? I have believed, therefore I spoke. What you believe is what you speak. Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. Now, if you, if you go back in, in preceding this verse let me just jump back I don't I don't mean to preach a, a message number two here but um but I, I think this is really important second Corinthians chapter four verse seven we we have this treasure in earth and vessels that the excellence of the power of God may be may be of God and not us we are hard pressed on every side we're not crushed we're perplexed not in despair persecuted not forsaken struck down not destroyed that sounds like faith right David, in, in Psalms 116, actually, this is a, this is a quote that I have believed, therefore I spoke. That's a quote from David in Psalms 116 when he was afflicted. So Paul, in his writing, is saying here, we're afflicted on every side. This is happening, but our reality is not the affliction. Our reality, if you keep reading, he says the reality is this. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up. So our reality has shifted. We're not, a, we're not afflicted. We're not in despair. I believe, therefore I spoke. What am I speaking? I believe that he's able. No matter the persecution or the affliction that I face, no matter what happens in this life, I believe that he's able. He's going he's to raise me up at the end of all things anyway, so what I, what do I have to worry about? See what I'm saying? this is if, if you can live by faith you can see in the moment of nothing that God's making something you begin to believe in for it you begin to speak those things not wishful thinking I know I rec- listen I recognize there's a lot of hype and, and contortions of this word that we speak those things that are not as though they were. And a lot of people use that and abuse that for prosperity and everything else. I, I realize that. But that doesn't negate the truth of God's word. That God is still speaking in the darkness, let there be light. God is still speaking creative word. Heaven and earth will pass away. My words will never pass away. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Thank you, Lord, that we can live a kingdom life. Thank you, Lord, we can live live a heavenly life, that we're seated with you in heavenly places. We're seated with you in heavenly places. We're seated with you in heavenly places. Thank you, Lord help us to see lord our position with you we're seated with you hallelujah 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 some of you right now it's like it's like god just took that light bulb turned it on for you Holy Ghost revelation happening this morning how you've been living right now you just you're making that decision to say you know what I don't need to keep living the same way I was living I don't need to keep I don't I need to take responsibility for my environment yeah I heard that I need to take responsibility for my environment you Jesus thank you Jesus you know you can take this we're going to worship here in a moment I'm going to ask the worship team to worship before I before we do two things. First thing, you know, this the reality of this affects every area of our life. If you recognize that the kingdom of God is on the inside of you, this is what Jesus said, the kingdom is on the inside of you. If you recognize that he's your king, what I believe I speak, if you begin to put this together and recognize that the what you believe is what you release into the world around you if you begin to it, this isn't new agey mystic this is this is very practical if you recognize that how you show up at your job changes how you show up at the grocery store changes how you show up in the community changes you're no longer there just to check the box and be a good person. You've got something on the inside of you to release. There's something God has released in you that needs to come out. That's why Jesus said freely you've received, freely give. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, on and on. That's, That's why. There's something that you've received that matures and develops as you worship. That's the power of worship. I don't want to, I want to keep going on my message here, but I know this is message number three. But, but if, you, if you recognize, because this, this is life-changing. If you can get this, this is life-changing. What's on the inside of you matures as you worship. That's why when you stagnate in your worship, your prayer, that's why it's so impactful, because it's, it's stagnating. But as you mature in those things... You see what's on the inside of you, you see what God's releasing, faith again, this the cycle of God's word, and the whole, then you've got the Holy Spirit. What is it? Acts one eight. I've you will be my you'll receive you Got it? Got it? So you've got something that needs to be released. Hallelujah. Let's worship.